Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Bolton eBikes podcast, a place where you can learn about electric bikes. Every Tuesday, I release a new episode, and it's always something about electric bikes, guaranteed. Absolutely nothing else is talked about in this podcast. Sometimes I have guests from other e-bike companies on the show. I don't have one today, but I saw a comment online from someone that I wanted to address, and it was about e-bike charging rates. So if you want to learn about e-bike charge rates, how fast can you charge an e-bike, why do they take so long to charge, or why are they relatively quick to charge, how should you charge them, if you want to know answers to those things, then stick around. Once again, I'm Kyle Chidock, the owner of Bolton e-bikes, and this is the Bolton e-bikes podcast. I was on Facebook the other day because I do monitor and watch basically every e-bike Facebook group I can get into because that way I can see what questions people are asking, what topics are being discussed, and I don't always have time to get right in the middle or in the thick of the discussion, but this is one that I did. I had to comment. I just could not help myself. I saw this comment. I won't name names or what group it was in. But basically, somebody said, oh, now is not a good time to buy an e-bike because there's going to be a new e-bike launched sometime in the next few months that has a 10-minute charge rate. And there were some comments about it. People are like, well, I'm not waiting. I've got one. I'm buying one. And I had to just basically call it out and say, wait, hold up. Let's stop and think about these numbers that are being thrown out here of a charge rate of 10 minutes. Is that even possible? Now, the biggest thing that people usually think about when they think about charge rates is the capability of the battery and the longevity. And traditionally, we think of lead acid and other types of battery formats as being better overall if we charge them slowly. And for lead acid batteries, people used to have, and still do, I shouldn't say used to, Many vehicles, most vehicles are still using a lead-acid battery for starting, and for good reason. They work very well for that application. But they use a trickle charger, where you always have just a small charge on that battery all the time to basically keep it topped off. So there's this kind of mindset that a small, slow charge on batteries is good, and lithium batteries don't really need that. You just charge it up, and then you unplug it, and you stop charging, and that's what does best. You don't need a slow charge. It's just going to wear it down unnecessarily. If you're constantly trickle charging it and then it drops voltage down and then it charges up again, you know, you need a little bit of extra charging time occasionally just to balance the cells, but a trickle charger is not needed. However, a slow charge rate is still a good thing. I know some people that will charge their battery slower than they need to because they know it'll, again, increase the overall lifespan of the battery. Now, I've talked about in previous podcast episodes and videos about battery life and charging to 80%, 90%. And basically, yes, if you charge to less than 100%, there are some added benefits long-term. Me personally, I like having 100%. I know the batteries at 100% are designed to last a long time. So I usually charge to 100%. Now, I could see if you had something like the the Warthog bike, which has a 50 to 80 mile range, and you know you only go 10, 20 miles on it uh, on nice, easy ground, that you 
could do that on a regular basis, and there'd be no harm in doing that. You have way more range than, than you need. There's really no downside. But I've been riding one of the Warthog bikes this past week, and I still charged to 100%. Just so you know, that's what I do. I like to have my battery at full capacity and know that no matter what happens, I can go further, longer. I can push those batteries hard. I can squeeze all the power out of that motor I can when I want to, or I can just pedal, get some exercise, whatever it is. That's just what I do. But again, this isn't a podcast about percentages and those kind of things. It's about charging rates and how fast can you charge? Now, if you're new to e-bikes and you don't know the answer to this question, this is probably one of like the top five questions I get when people are buying a new bike, whether it's on the phone, online, or they're here in person doing test rides. They want to know how long does it take to charge up the battery? And the chargers that come with most e-bikes are usually around two amps or maybe three amps if the battery's a little bit bigger. And that means that the charge rate, depending on the capacity, might be, say, five, six hours on the low end. You know, it could be seven, eight hours. Uh, I usually don't see anything outside of that range much faster or slower. That's just kind of the industry standard. That's what's usually included. Chargers that size are relatively inexpensive to make. The connectors are very common. It just makes sense. And that's realistically usually fast enough. Most people will plug their battery in after a ride. Maybe they leave it plugged in overnight, unplug it in the morning. So six, seven hours, it's easily fully charged up. We don't usually need it to charge faster. But what if we do? What if we're on a road trip and we only have a limited time that you're stopped somewhere with an outlet? Or what if you're going on, say, a ride to your friend's house 30 miles away? You want to stop for lunch, plug in for an hour, and then ride 30 miles back. And you want to charge your battery fully in that short period of time. Well, you can't quite do that. So I do see the appeal of charging it faster than, like I said, six, seven, eight hours. Now, if you need this calculation, I'll throw it out there really quick. If you want to know how long it's going to take to charge your battery, and this is just an estimate because the chargers will ramp down. So in other words, the current will start out at the max. If it's a three amp charger and your battery's halfway full or less than half, it's going to start out at three amps. And then as it gets to the very end, it's going to slow down. It's going to be 2.9, 2.8 amps, 2 amps, one and a half, and eventually it goes down to where it just stops charging the battery and it's full. But what you can do is look at the capacity of your battery. I always use like a standard example of 48 volt, 10 amp hour battery, just because it's an easy number to understand. But if it's a 10 amp hour battery and you have a 2 amp charger, you just do division 10 amp hours divided by 2, 5 hours. Very easy to do. If it's a 20 amp hour battery and you got a two amp charger, that's going to take 10 hours. But like I said, as you get bigger, usually the chargers do get a little faster too. So a 20 amp hour battery might have a four amp charger or it might have a five amp charger. So those charge rates start coming down. I've got one custom bike at home, doesn't have pedals or anything. It's got a lot of power, like 6,000 watts. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> but it has a massive battery on it, just huge, and it has a 12-amp charger, which is appropriate for the battery because the battery is so much bigger, it needs more current. It still takes several hours for it to fully charge because the battery capacity is so big, 
But again, we're going up to 12 amps. And if you're thinking about, you know, household circuits, well, 12 amps is acceptable. I can still plug that into a standard outlet and charge that up. But we're talking about hours of charging here. What if we want to charge an e-bike battery in one hour? Well, first, let's take a look at the cells. Now, I wrote some notes down here for a Samsung 35E. That is a specific 18650 size cell. 18650, for those that don't know, is kind of a cell format. It's a 18650 refers to the actual dimensions in diameter and length of the cell. That's what's most common in electric bikes is that size of cell. We have one exception here, and that's the Warthogs. They use a slightly larger 21700 size cell from LG. But most are using, whether it's Panasonic, LG, Samsung, whatever the brand is, they're usually using that smaller format. Those are the most commonly available. And I wrote down the Samsung 35E because it is a high-performance cell, very good discharge rates. You can put a lot of power through those batteries, and they last very well. Okay, let's take a really good cell and see what are the charge rates. Uh, and here's some specs for you. Maximum voltage is going to be the same with any of these types of cells, 4.2 volts. Nominal voltage, they list on their specs as 3.6. Sometimes you'll see some listed as 3.7. Usually when you do the calculations, like for a 48-volt battery, how many cells are in series, usually that's based on 3.7 volts. And the low voltage is 2.65 volts. So you don't want to go below that per the manufacturer. That's going to basically kill the battery. It's not going to work anymore beyond that. Now we have discharge rates and nominal discharge. So that would be like the continuous discharge rate. You could just run it all the time, and it would last a long, long time. They have 680 milliamps, so that would be like 0.68 amps, so less than an amp. Now, keep in mind that is per cell. Most of these batteries have way more than one cell. There's usually 40, 50, 60, 70 cells, depending on what the battery capacity is. Maximum discharge per cell is 8 amps. That's what these are really good for, is a lot of power, a lot of punch in a very short period of time. So you can do a maximum discharge of eight amps. You wouldn't want to do the entire battery eight amps the whole time. That'd be really pushing it. But for brief periods, you can do that. Now, peak current, 14 amps, which when you do 14 amps times however many cells are in there, that's a ton of power. So lots and lots of power can be pulled through these cells in a short period of time. It says four seconds. So that would be like a burst. Uh, let's say you built a battery pack and it's designed to start a V8 engine. That would be an example where you could have a ton of power in a little battery pack, huge current all at once, but it's only for a few seconds and then it stops. It would be acceptable to do that. Now, if we look at the charge rates, there's something called a C rate that is very common among lithium batteries of all types. So if you look up any sort of lithium battery, no matter what the chemistry is, if it's a lithium ion, uh, lithium iron phosphate, Whatever it is, there's always going to be some sort of C rate or charge rate. I don't know if that's actually what the C stands for, but <laughs> it's, I've just known it so long as C rate. Uh, that's just what I remember. And you can find a number here. Now, for the Samsung 35E, which is a 
3,500 milliamp hour capacity cell or 3.5 amp hours. So this is just the individual cell we're talking about again. The C rate is 0.57, which probably means absolutely nothing to you right now. And that's okay. Not too many people are going to know this unless you're maybe into like radio controlled cars or airplanes or things where you're really digging into specifications like this. But the C rate is a way to calculate the recommended charge rate based on the capacity. So an example, if we do the math real easily, if the C rate was one, then you could charge the cell at 3.5 amps because this is a 3.5 amp hour capacity cell. And at a one C rate, it would take one hour. So that's a lot faster than most e-bike chargers work because they're doing six, seven, eight hours, like I said. This isn't a 1C charge rate on this Samsung 35E, though. It's 0.57. So if you do the math, you do 3.5 amps or amp hours times 0.57. You basically come out to a 2-amp charge rate. Now, if you're thinking, oh, well, that's right where they're charging it. Not quite, because that is the charge rate per cell. Now, we're usually charging at 2 amps, maybe 3 amps on these batteries for a whole bunch of cells. You can actually charge your pack at a much higher rate than 2 or 3 amps. Basically, if you do the math on this one, that means you could very easily charge this battery in 2 hours, hour and a half, somewhere in that time frame. And that's right in the specifications of what the cell is rated for. In this case, could you charge faster than six, seven hours? Yes, absolutely. Is it going to shorten the overall life of the battery compared to charging at a slower rate? Also, yes, there's always a trade-off here. Could we charge in 10 minutes? That was the premise of this original question. Well, in this cell, no, that wouldn't be recommended. But what about other cell types? Well, that changes things a little bit. Uh, if you just go online, there's a popular website I used to buy stuff from as a teenager all the time. Uh, it's called Hobby King, uh, and they sell lithium batteries for electric remote-controlled airplanes, cars, trucks, boats. Uh, I think I've even seen an e-bike on there lately, which is kind of funny. But all of these kind of components, you know, these connectors that you use, they have all of this stuff for just DIY building. So I had a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. And you can buy lithium polymer batteries. And instead of being in this hard, obviously this is not an 18650 cell, but if you can imagine a small like AAA type cell where it's a cylinder, you know, it's got a connector, not a connector, but there's a tab on each end for positive and, and minus, and it's in this hard shell. That's what these 18650 batteries look like, just scaled up a lot. But these lithium polymer batteries used on radio-controlled airplanes Weight is critical. So you don't need this hard metal shell on those batteries. In fact, uh, you don't want that at all. It's just a waste of space and weight. So with a lithium polymer type battery, you can save some weight. And with the different chemistries and things, they can have different discharge rates, different charge rates. Uh, and for those, you really, really want to maximize performance. And the discharge rates are insane on some of these batteries. You can push a lot of power through them. Now, as a general rule I've seen online, some people take the, the discharge rate. That's also a C rate. So I guess C rate doesn't stand for charge if it's also working for the discharge side. 
But you can have these massive discharge rates. I know a lot of people will say, well, take the advertise rate and cut it in half. And that's realistically what you'll get consistently. So just rule of thumb there that I've heard a lot of people say, some brands may actually get the advertised amount, but just forewarning. But on the charging side, instead of this Samsung cell where you're getting 0.57 C rates, you could get a 5 C rate. Instead of being able to charge at 2 amps on something like this, well, 5 C on a 3.5 amp hour cell, that means you can charge at an amp rating that's five times greater than that. So now we're talking 15 amps easily. That's what the cell is actually rated for. So now if you take that number, a 5C, well, if 1C can charge in an hour, 5C is one-fifth of an hour. So you can see how now we could get down to like a 10, 15-minute charge time, and that's realistic for that type of cell. Number one, if we want to charge faster, we have to change the type of battery that's used. I personally have only seen one e-bike that used a pouch type cell. Uh, it was a stealth uh, electric bike that I worked on a few years ago, and I don't think that's very common. So I don't think we're going to see cell changes to batteries just to make them charge faster anytime soon. Can it be done? Definitely. So the technology exists, but there's another problem that's, in my mind, an even bigger problem. First, we have scalability. You have the most commonly available cells, can't charge that fast. Well, if we change the cells, then what's the next problem? Well, then we have to talk about the current at the outlet at the wall, <laughs> because that starts to become a limiting factor. Now, if we do this for a 48 volt, 10 amp hour battery, as an example, Let's say we use a cell that has a 1C rate, so better than these Samsung cells I'm talking about. To charge that battery in one hour would take 10 amps of current. And we can do that from a standard outlet. Now, a 48 volt, 10 amp hour battery is not very big. The Blackbird bike I sell has a 52 volt, 16 amp hour battery. The Foxbat has a 48 volt, 21 amp hour battery. To do the same thing on the Foxbat to charge in one hour, you'd have to charge at a rate that takes 21 amps of current. But a standard household outlet is only rated for about 15 amps. So you can see where we start to have a problem. And we're only at one hour charging. But that's not what this person claimed online. They said, oh, there's a bike coming out with a 10-minute charging time. Well, if we have a decent battery like on a Foxbat and we want to charge five times faster, I mean, does that mean we need 100 amps of power? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, the math, you can't make up the math. It just, that's the way it works. You would literally have to feed 100 amps into that battery, which is a ton of power. Some of these discharge rates are much, much higher than the charge rates. We sell a 35 amp motor controller for the Rad Power bikes, so it can discharge at peak power on that motor control at 35 amps, we're talking about three times the amount of power. That means our connectors are gonna have to get bigger, the wire's gonna get, have to get bigger, there's more heat to deal with. Basically what we're doing at this point is charging at the rates that a level two electric car charger is running at. Does the technology exist? Well, again, yes it does actually. 
But does the average person have a level two electric car charger at their house? No, definitely not. That's where there's kind of a problem with this. Could you invent a bike that can charge in 10 minutes? Yeah, it's possible. It's pushing current battery technologies. But to me, it's just the infrastructure, the logistics of it don't make sense. You're going from plugging into a standard outlet anywhere in your garage, anywhere in your home, to all of a sudden now you need a vehicle charging station. And that, to me, just isn't practical. I mean, you're talking about charging stations. If you go buy the cheapest one on Amazon, you might find one for, I don't know, 300 bucks or something. But we're talking spending a few hundred dollars, several hundred dollars maybe on this charging station. You can't take it with you. I mean, this is a big, heavy, thick cord. I mean, we're talking connectors, you know, like a few inches around, like the size of a baseball. It's just not very practical. I would love to see this happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it would be awesome. But do I think it's practical? Uh, Not so much. Now, when we talk about the one-hour charge times, like I said, depending on the battery capacity, you might only be pulling 10 amps, 15 amps. It depends on the size of your battery. You know, let's say it's a Foxbat battery at 21 amps. Maybe you charge it so it takes slightly longer than that. So you're charging at 17, 18 amps. You're using, you know, a 20 amp circuit at full capacity. It's possible. And, and that would be pretty cool. I think what's going to have to happen is an adapter's made, which I may have thought about a long time ago and already be working on, but a simple adapter so we can plug e-bikes into vehicle charging stations. Now, are people going to like that that are trying to charge their cars? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll want to chat it up with the the local e-bike guys. We'll find out. But those are my thoughts on fast charging e-bikes. What are the limitations? What are the problems? And you can see that there's a few limitations on cells, limitations on just power, limitations on, you know, where do you actually physically fit these bigger connectors on bikes? So there's a few challenges that we have to work through. Now, there's an opposite way to go about this too, which is bikes become way more efficient than they are. They require smaller batteries, and then they require less power. And that is a really interesting solution to the problem. There is a company that's actually making a solar-powered electric car right now, and super cool, very expensive. I don't know if you can actually buy one yet, or if they're still in the developing stage. I'm pretty sure they're still developing but they're going to be way expensive. It's not really going to be practical, but I think it's cool that they're actually just doing it to show it can be done. The guys behind the project have won uh, several university competitions with solar-powered vehicles running long distances, so they know what they're doing. This isn't you know, a vaporware-type thing. The math behind what they're doing is possible, but basically what they've done is maximize the efficiency of the car so that way you need a smaller battery which means you need less power to charge it to go a certain distance. We could do the same thing one day with bicycles as well. We increase the efficiency of the motors, the tires, the drivetrain, all these different things, and then you could put a smaller battery on, go the same distance, smaller battery, less charge required, less power required. That benefits everybody to do that sort of thing. That has its own set of challenges that are maybe even more difficult, but those are things that are possible. Now, before I wrap up this podcast episode, there's something really important I want to share. If you are listening to this podcast recorded on a usual Tuesday, you see, of course, because these are recorded, I put these podcast episodes together sometime prior to the actual release date, but usually a week or sometimes two, three weeks, maybe even a month ahead of schedule. Now, if you are one of the members 
of the Bolton Labs community. That's the nickname we give to our membership community on YouTube. That's $9.99 a month. You can actually get access to some of these podcast episodes earlier. That's something we're just kind of starting out, kind of beta testing, if you will. So it's not going to be every episode, but I'm going to try and do as many as we can. But I've actually been doing these videos live for the members. As an example, they are watching me right now live on YouTube when this episode recorded isn't actually going to come out till next Tuesday. There's just an extra perk. If you are one of the members, you'll get the podcast episodes early. And as you know, sometimes I reveal new products or new things that we're working on in some of these podcast episodes. So that's just another way to get ahead of the game and know what's coming before everyone else. And I will try to leave some time at the end of these podcast episodes that are running live to even answer some questions live. Right now, I've got a few people that are chatting live on the YouTube channel as this is being recorded so they can ask questions. The more questions I can answer for you guys, the better. Thank you so much for listening to the Bolton eBikes podcast. If you're new, Make sure to go to ebikepodcast.com. That's where you can sign up for the email list. We send out an email once a week, every Tuesday, when new episodes come out, so you know what the topic is. And if it's something you want to check out, that domain is ebikepodcast.com. We wanted something nice and easy to remember. Now, of course, the second thing I mentioned about the membership, if you want to know more about that, you do have to go to the Bolton Ebikes YouTube channel. And of course, if you're ready for an electric bike, you know where to go, boltonebikes.com. Thank you so much for listening, uh, everyone that's here on the recorded podcast, and I will talk to you on another Tuesday. Tuesday.